shirt. Oh, okay. Go get your homo shirt. I want to see it. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, We're Mr. On, uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. 805. Like doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Kind of one of those words. Guns don't kill people. Uh, right, just don't care. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Thrasher, right? Thrasher. <laughs> Featuring Josh Brolin. He's the actor, the main guy, the, the main character of Thrashing. Okay. Can't skate to save his life. He was also uh, one of the original members of RKL. Rich Kids and Hell Skate, one of my favorite bands of all time. Really? Yeah. Oh, I've player. seen your, I've seen a poster or shirt or something. Yeah, the record's all through there. Yeah, okay. That's how we learned how to play the bass. Really? Josh Rowland was the original bass player. Before they were Arkell. Wow. Quite the connection. Yes. <laughs> I go deep on some Nardcore. All those were from the Oxnard area. Uh, I think That's how me and Bobby became such good friends, because he's okay. from that area. And we grew up on Aggression and uh, RKL. Stalag 13, like all, which was the Nardcore scene. Uh-huh. And the best band that, to come out of there, in my opinion, most people's opinions, was Rich Kids on LSD or RKL. And what made them so rad. So without, with no RKL, there'd be no, no effects. No effects got everything. Their whole stick was from RKL. They'll, and, and, they'll, and they'll tell you that, the bass, the bass style. Oh, and right. that beat, that, that was kind of like, they kind of mastered it. I mean, they didn't invent it, called the D-beat. Um, I think Discharge from England were like the originators of the D beat style, mm -hmm. which is like a, you know basically hardcore crusty punk. <clears throat> but what was why RKL stood out from the pack of all those bands, Rich Kids on LSD, is that you know hardcore punk bands, if I could disparage my own environment, notoriously not good musicians. Everyone in RKL was like insane like insane musician. You listen to the bass playing. This is how I learned how to play bass. We were talking about like how some people are good teachers and how some right. people are good at something but they can't teach it. Yep. Like, I consider myself a fairly proficient bass player. You're one of the best. Yeah, I cannot teach you how to play the bass. Right. I've had people tell me, I was like, dude, to be honest, um, smoke a bunch of weed and listen to the first couple of RKL albums. <laughs> <laughs> Balance that out with some Almond Brothers, Barry Oakley from the Almond Brothers, also one of the greatest bass players of all time, and then learn the first three Metallica albums because Clifford was one of the greatest, greatest bass players of all time. Like me, <laughs> 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 where it's taking me.
So, yeah, but uh, yeah, the art, all the RKL stuff. I still go back and listen to it, and it's it's like miles above what anyone's doing then and doing now as far as the musicianship. It's like ridiculous how good those guys are. Do you realize we've never mentioned the band, the famous band that you uh, played for on this podcast? Yes. Do you dread every intro that I'm going to drop <laughs> that song <laughs> as part of the intro? <laughs> no, no, I don't care. <clears throat> we didn't say anything about that intro, actually. Yeah, what was it? We've been talking about music. So you, you know that song. No. Really? What is that song? I wasn't even paying attention because we were talking. Okay. I, you could ask me. I remember hearing an acoustic guitar or something like that. I, I, I wasn't listening at all. So I've heard that song a million times, and then uh, I, I never thought, like, who is this? And I, I finally just was like, I, there's something compelling about the song. When you really listen to the song, it's not like, it's nothing special. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's like one chorus. That's why I, I didn't remember it. It seemed fairly unremarkable. Yeah. I don't know who this is. It's Traffic. Oh, really? Steve Woodwind. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I recognize that voice. Dear Mr. Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. My parents were huge uh, Traffic fans. I remember. Uh, I was blessed good with. Man. I was blessed with uh, parents that liked really cool music. Mm-hmm. So it, we were constantly yeah. spinning vinyl in the in the in the house all the time. Yeah. Which I still thank to this day. Particularly, my stepdad would sit me down in front of the stereo and put on like Hendrix and Cream, Traffic, Blind Faith, all these bands, yeah. and make uh, me Steely Dan. Ste- you were telling me Steely yeah. Dan. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a big one. I never appreciated Steely, Steely Dan until I got older. I was like, I, I don't understand why people don't like Steely Dan. The the whole like one of our friends. Uh, I have a natural use... aversion to jazz, which I still don't like to this day. Yeah, and. They are very kind of they're jazz musicians, or a large part of the well, way they write it's songs. It's the only good fusion band, to right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And usually, when you hear fusion, just that uh, it's like a fusion sure. restaurant, like not interested. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we have we have friends that will their knee jerk response. It's almost like Steely Dan's the butt of the joke. Like, who is this Steely Dan? Like, if just because they don't like something. Yeah, man, they're one of the best bands of all time. Meanwhile, they'll tell you how good the Beatles are. <laughs> you're, I mean, are you sliding into a bad mood here? Kinda, yeah. <laughs> yes, I can see it. You're right. <laughs> On all accounts, um, the uh, did you? Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. I was stalling right there in case you couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, so I text you all the time mm-hmm. with business ideas. <laughs> yes, you do. Right. Yeah. Like, let's sponsor a female rugby league or right. something. Leather he- leather helmet football league. Yeah. Uh, well, that's going way back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's good 15 years. Yeah. Okay. I got a new uh, business idea for Okay. This. All right. Let's start a website. It's like a food-centered kind of right. website. Yeah. Okay. We both love food. And this came to me today because I was going to – I'm cooking some uh, some – Hawks, some ham hocks mm-hmm. at home. So I was looking up a recipe. Mm-hmm. It dawned on me. We need a website that has, it's about food. Okay. And you look for recipes on it, 
and when you click on the link that you're looking for, it takes you to the recipe. Interesting. That. Yeah. Um, can I make a slight addendum? Yeah. Okay. So how about this? Uh, just just give me a recipe. Just get, or give me what were you like pasta Alfredo or something like that. Right? Sure. And so you click on the link, but before you get to the recipe, yeah, it's like a solid like I don't know, like six to eight pages of about the history of Alfredo. Maybe a bio pasta. about yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My grandma used to make this dish, and here's two pages about my grandma's no. life. No, I'm no. saying no. When you click the link, it goes to the recipe. So the, what you see when you click it. On because when it says like how to make ham hocks or you know, pasta so it, it would take you directly to, to the recipe to the recipe. I mean, that's kind of outside the box, but I'm, I think it might stick. I think people might be into that. Bad ideas are better than no ideas. We there say that all the time. All, so. right. all right, yeah, <laughs> I, li- I like I like where you're going with this. It's kind of like a streamlined concept of the existing model, which I can kind of appreciate. Well, I have these books in my house that are about food. Um, they're yeah, like with recipes in them. They're about cooking, right? They're like a like a I don't know cook book, I guess. Like a book of a book and cook, a, a cooking a, a cookbook. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right. I'm following. And you. so in the cookbook, when you want to, if you look up like fettuccine Alfredo, right, you go to that page, and what's on that page is the recipe. There's there's no bio about me or the, the I mean the the, the author. Or history of you know Italian food. So or, and there's no advertisements in it either. It's not like there's right. not you don't have to thumb, thumb through like six pages of advertising. It goes it just there's recipes right there on page. So 12. if you're looking, okay, just slow down here for a second. Oh, I know this is a strange just concept. Say. It's outside the box. So, but if you're looking up trying to find a recipe for chicken Alfredo pasta, yeah, and where would be the section of like you won't believe what these celebrities look like now? Is that like in the back in the appendix or? Well, not- I, I'm kind of thinking, I mean, stick with me here. Gotcha. I'm with you. I'm thinking we don't put that in the book or, or in the website. Jesus. Dude, that, that's a good idea. Right? That's incredible. It might stick. Okay. I think people might like this. We're going to put this in the parking lot for now, but yeah. let's circle back. One of my better ideas, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Better than the uh, women's rugby league that you want to start <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, cool. Glad you like it. Good. Okay. Well done. Well done. Thanks. So we are coming off the tail end. We did a podcast yesterday, uh, which may or may not be published eventually, but I cleaned out the studio this morning, and the alcohol intake of said podcast yesterday, it was full, like, leaving Las Vegas in here this morning. This morning, I went to grab my little Playmate cooler here to bring some beers over. It was full of empty beer cans. So whatever you saw, the carnage that you saw in here, imagine that. Plus, whatever was... I don't know why I decided I needed to fill my cooler with the empty beer cans and take them home to my house. As much as I appreciate you not burning my recycle (laughs) can. (laughs) But uh, when I told you that today, you're like, well... We didn't go through all that whiskey, though. Yeah, like, how much of the uh, bottle was it, left? It, it, we did. It was empty. <laughs> oh my god! It was empty. It was a little. It was a little uh, terrifying, to be honest with you. Somehow, I did not wake up hungover either. No, me neither. I, I, I woke up probably because I was back to work. Passed out by like six p.m. Yes. In my in the booth at my, the Mexican my, restaurant that we had dinner at. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> my wife always says she goes the the tricky thing about you when you guys get. You know, really tear into it like that. She goes, your personality, the 
you can't tell. Like, you know, yeah. you're, you're, don't, she goes, the only way that I can kind of tell, like, you really start cleaning a lot. Mm-hmm. So, I'll, you know, if I really get after it, you know, which ha- doesn't happen very often, but I'll just clean the entire Dude, house. Dude, you know what that is? That's the same thing. So when we all lived at the Gravenstein house, uh-huh. I remember we one we, we would watch movies all the time. Right, it was just like the thing. We had a we had a living room that had like stadium seating. Yeah, we had of couches. Yeah, we had. Uh, I mean, we had no food. We had no amenities. Yeah. We had like six couches, and we put them all up on pallets in this yeah. giant. So you know, you could have like multiple. And eventually, people just ended up living. Always movies going on. Yeah. Watch awesome. Brain Candy. My brother, repeat. my brother worked at Blockbuster, and he and he's a common thief, and he would just steal everything. And so we had this he, giant movie collection. He always ended up with movies that were uh, like the Academy Awards, like pre-screen, right. like before they right. were on video. Every once in a while, a, a thing would flash on, yeah. to interrupt the movie. <laughs> like this is. This not for you know retail use. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we watched Gummo one time. Oh yes! And after one the movie of, was one over, of my, one of my favorite movies. After the movie's over, I was like, I have to get out of here. I got to go home. Went home, started cleaning my house. Start cleaning that movie will make you clean your house. Clean my house, and I never. I mean, I was 18 years old. Yeah. Cleaning my house was not a thing I did. In fact, one time my. Jimmy and I, instead of doing the dishes that had been stuck in our sink for like two weeks at that point, right? We just pulled a trash can into the house and threw them all in the garbage. I can do you one better. Okay, that's hold good. on. Before okay. tell me in a second, but okay. then I I left the house and I went back up to the the, the house up the driveway where we watched the movie. So and to, to, I walked to, in. To people listening, we all lived in this area, and there were two separate houses yeah, on this giant like a property. compound. Yeah, right. It was, like a, it was like a farm compound. Yeah. And so I went back up to the house where we had just finished watching gum after I was done cleaning the house. I walked in. Everyone in there cleaning the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that movie will... Uh, it's life-changing. Yeah. I would Oof. say. And so that was what happened to you yesterday. Cleaning the studio, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, I have to. I was like, clean the studio. Like, these demons. I'm gonna go for a jog after this. Eat a <laughs> salad. Get my life together. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna go through my taxes and just generally clean things up, <laughs> Tight, tighten up the, the whole life situation here exactly. a little bit. So I said I could do you one better. When I lived in Santa Cruz, I was 18, and I lived there with my best friend and this other guy. And uh, all we did was, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago. All we did is surf. That's it. We live right on the beach in Santa Cruz, a block away from the beach. Me and him both worked in the women's shoe department of Ross Dress for Less. <laughs> it's like one of the most, uh, I will say, unsatisfying terms of employment I ever had. But we did not care. Bundy, and it was such, it was such a miserable job that you know we would, if you didn't show up, they're like, it, whatever. Like it, it just doesn't. We can't replace you because no one wants this job. We we go through people so much. And we had to wear, um, I remember we had to wear a collared shirt, slacks, and a tie. And we we're such fucking degenerates that I worked during the day and he worked during the evening. So he'd surf in the mornings, I'd surf after work. And, you know, we were constantly, I would basically walk into the house and go every day, like, how's the surf? He's all, it's pretty good. You want to get down there? I'd take off my shirt, my tie, my pants, hand it to him. He put it on, walk back in. <laughs> <laughs> Start working the same job that I had. and the manager's like, wasn't 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 Matt wearing that earlier? He's like, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. And we were constantly just like, you guys gotta like, you gotta start doing laundry. You gotta like have your own clothes. So we had like three outfits, and I just would give it to him. Like, yeah, and it was it was like 
almost like a seamless kind of overlap. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> but our kitchen, we had no furniture. I mean, we had no, we exclusively existed off top ramen and mm-hmm. beans. And like when someone got paid, that means that we could have uh, cheese and sour cream. That was mm-hmm. like, that was like a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, we got paid. We're going to get like beer and sour cream. And um, the kitchen was so fucked up, right? It was off from this living room, and we had no our furniture were two sawhorses with a longboard on there, like a mm-hmm. long surf, you know long surfboard. Yeah, it was just like littered thematic. Yeah. You live in Santa Cruz. What are you gonna? And do? the kitchen got to the point where it was so bad that mold had started in the pots and the dishes and had grown outside. So mm-hmm. there was like this um, looked like a like a if you squint your eyes, it looked like a decent like ground covering. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> something you might you put in behind, you know, like baby's between breath. some yeah exactly <laughs> between some like stepping stones in your backyard or whatever. And it got so bad that we just took the one of the two couches that we had and just put it over the door, like across the door. Like, we're just going to kind of yeah. sh- shut off this part of the house. For your own safety. <laughs> it no longer exists anymore. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then we were lucky enough, we met some, uh, you know, as young men women? do, met some women, <laughs> and they came over and cleaned the entire place for us. What yes. is it that men will live that way and women will not? Um, I, well, I will not live that way anymore. Like I'm a clean freak now. I clean my house. Right. Every no, day. But, but young, young men are capable of living that way. I think what and it women, is. Young women are not. I think at that time, if I had to, uh, try to crack this little psychological egg is that I think at that time is I, you just don't care. Like we have no money. This place will never be nice. But why do young uh, women care? I don't know. Because my, my sole it's, it's purpose... clear that we're wired differently. I was driven to surf every day. Meet girls, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And anything outside of that just was a waste of time, I guess. Maybe young women... Because we'd go to those girls' houses, yeah, and their house was immaculate. Yeah, maybe young women are driven by basically the same thing. Except instead of surfing, uh, meeting guys and being... Married's not the right word, but... Uh, their wiring is mm-hmm. is that they want to also meet guys and then show the guys that they are worthwhile mates, mm-hmm. right? And you know what better way to do that than having that could, a that could be possible. The house. only flaw in that logic is that um, as a reciprocal relationship, because I'd be like, oh wow, look at this little kind of homemaker in the making. Um, by that logic, she should be down watching me surfing, like, uh, like nice little cutback on this guy. <laughs> like this guy be, might be marriage material. I don't think it works that way. I think there is something to that. I think that uh, you being a good surfer and people knowing that you're a good surfer is something that attracts a mate. Yeah, it's part of the the, the motivation to could to be get good at good things. Uh. Let's call up uh, Jordan Peterson and ask him what he thinks about this. Let's <laughs> bounce our little theory off him. Yeah, you got his number? See what he says, yeah. <laughs> I'll hit him up on Twitter. Okay. Um, Dude, I got a picture. Okay, we do.
My friend. Yes. Wait. Is it? Yeah, just you. Me? Just you and me are here right now. Cool. Um, so when things come up, when I start to see, we have this kind of uh, inclination, I guess you could call it, that when, like, when we, depending on the source where we get something, we choose to lean into it, automatically not like it, want to look more into it. Would you not agree? So like... I listen to... It's rare I, when I automatically don't like it. Could you give me an example where I might be wrong about that? Uh, so I have a cognitive bias of like anything I'm going to see in Huffington Post. I'm going to like, eh, nonsense. Because it's in Huffington Post. Right. Yeah. yeah, anything I hear on... I listen to NPR every morning. Yeah. That's like, I just want to hear what it, what it is. But I am willing to admit that I have this cognitive bias. I'm like, I just... like I'm listening to it almost as fodder for comedy. At some point, or like, I want to see what are they saying about this thing. And so, but I'm trying to be as intellectually honest as I can of when I hear something going like, "Well, look into that. Don't just, yeah. don't just, you know, do the do the research. You know, real news, real work. You know, it comes with homework. You have to do your own research, and that's something that we try to do as much as we can. So, one thing that I saw that kept popping up in my just kind of usual circles was the idea of the 15-minute city. Are you familiar with this? Yes. Are you? Yep. I looked into this quite a bit, and the more I looked into it, it just got more and more interesting. So I'm happy that you are aware of this too because um, I want to bounce some ideas off you. And okay. I don't have a, a grand conspiracy theory or whatever because it just ended up being what I thought it was going to be in my mind. But I'm going to start this out... <clears throat> I'm going to sell you on the idea of the 15-minute city. That's how we're going to start. All right. So you're attending my uh, seminar as I'm selling a timeshare or okay. something like that. And I'm, I'm here because I want to do the canoe trip <laughs> right through the uh, wildlife sanctuary. Absolutely, and help it's yourself free. to the free donuts and coffee in the lobby here okay. when we're done. Okay. It should, shouldn't take long, right? <laughs> no. no. Okay, so this uh, the the bulk of this I got from an article from a site called Architecture and Design because I just want I want the I don't want any I don't want to like an angle on this like what would be the most pure kind of non narrative driven idea uh -huh. of the fifteen minute city sure now this article turned out to to not be that which was hilarious <laughs> and we'll get to that here in a second okay back to my sales pitch okay. so to do this. I have to tap my inner statist, right? Because, sure. <laughs> like, uh, so, um, okay, just bear with me here a second. Um, Anthony Fauci is a modern-day hero. Uh, Kamala Harris is uh, doing a good job. The CIA definitely did not fund the crack trade to intentionally devastate our inner-city communities. Okay, my inner statist. Ready? Yes. Here we go. <laughs> Imagine a city where residents can access everything that they need, including food, schools, entertainment, services, hospitals, shopping, all within a distance no less or no more than 15 minutes. And that 15 minutes can be done through walking, bike, or public transportation, right? So imagine this scenario. 
Can I uh, comment? Sure. Absolutely. Already? Absolutely. Wouldn't you say we live in such a community? <laughs> We're getting there. Yes. Answer is yes. Yes. Right? The answer to that is is yes. Okay. Carry on. Yeah. Okay. Just. Are there people that don't <laughs> live in this scenario? I mean, what if you lived on a mountaintop? Okay, Alex Jones, take it easy here. All right, Sorry, just, just uh, asking questions here. Yeah. Okay. Good. I like I like the questions. Um, I too asked these questions internally as I <laughs> within the first paragraph of this article. Right. So the concept of the fifteen minute city was originally proposed by a guy named Carlos Moreno, who was a Colombian born self-described urbanist, is now a professor at the Pantheon Sorbonne, Sorbonne University in Paris. You are aware that I have a degree in... Do you know what my degree is in? Uh, it was interpretive dance, wasn't it? Uh, minor. Oh, okay. Gotcha. No, the, my major was uh, urban studies and planning. Ah, so you're going to like this, my friend. Yes. Yes. I did know that, actually. And so that's actually why I looked into this. I was like, I think he's going to really enjoy this. Yeah, which is a great degree to have if you're uh, eventually going to become a carpenter. Yeah, a contractor. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I would also highly suggest a bachelor's in anthropology and geology. And if you can, <laughs> would help if you you can get in, I would suggest going to a very, very expensive school where you take out a ton of loans. Yeah, exactly. For Excellent. such a worthwhile education. I mean, dude, if you really, really want to get in a building... Pay for half of a master's program for um, to be a marriage th family therapist, mm -hmm. and then I mean go from there to steel buildings. Yeah, from there. Well, it, it but don't do that without an anthropology. Bachelor's. No, 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 no. You can't yeah. jump right into the master's no, program. You, you need a good anthropology right. base yeah. before you do that. I, 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 I would, I would say, you know, I mean, nay, it would be foolish to even get into construction without racking up fifty thousand dollars of student loans. I don't know how you can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I don't know how you can. It's do just it. foolish. Yeah, I mean, we can just exactly. jump, jump right in the trades. Yeah, just make twelve dollars an hour right off the bat. Yeah, <laughs> that, at that, a high school. That's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. Okay, uh, back to what we were saying. Um, fun fact about this guy, Carlos Moreno. Mm -hmm. I actually did a little bit of digging on this guy. Any relation to Chris Moreno? No, that we know of. Okay. I mean, I've never seen him in the same room together. <laughs> uh, he also served as a revolutionary socialist M-19 guerrilla in the guerrilla movement of Colombia. Are you familiar with the M-19? There's <laughs> No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, the M-19 movement, they're famous for, what do they call it, the, the April 19th, um, the, the day of April 19th, they call it, which is um, they formed a, a it's a paramilitary group that overthrows elections that they see as fraudulent. Um, they were the second biggest um, paramilitary group in Colombia at the time, besides the FARC. I'm sure you've heard of heard of them. Yeah, the FARC. Yeah, the FARC is the Revolutionary Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, who is primarily financed through extortion and kidnapping and ransoms and the illegal drug trade. Now, if you look into this stuff and you have a hard time retaining, you know, the FARC, the M19, and the various other um, paramilitary groups in you know South America at that time. Mm -hmm. Just think this. CIA. It's all CIA. They're all deal with the CIA. Now if you remember we were referring to the CIA tr uh, crack trade. 
financing the crack trade in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. You mean at lunch today? Yes. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> this is where they got their drugs from, is from the FARC and, uh-huh. and, and the N19. <laughs> when we talk about they, you know, we laid out the, the episode of the World Bank and the IMF. Mm-hmm. And like these are the groups that the CIA deals with when they overthrow democratically elected governments or throw elections or whatever. The CIA employs right. someone like the FARC or the M19 or, right. you know. Very well, yeah, they. this didn't occur to me actually until recently, but for the CIA to pull off something like that, they need a group within the country who is already contrary right. to the existing power exactly. structure so that they can take those people and, and just, you know, a little bit of manipulation put them in charge. And I, that didn't occur to me until I heard someone, I, probably Scott Horton, uh, from the Libertarian Institute talking about the war in Ukraine in right. Russia recently yeah. and saying that if it was either him or his guest saying that if they want to really want to do regime change in Russia, like they want to overthrow Vladimir Putin and install someone else, who can they possibly install? Because there is no alternative to Vladimir Putin that doesn't also want all the same things that Vladimir right. Putin yeah. wants. Yeah, exactly. Right? If they want to get Crimea back to Ukraine, there's no Russian, there isn't a single person in Russia who thinks that's a great idea. Right. So they're never going to have an existing, already established like entity like FARC in Colombia that's already existing in Russia that has this totally anti-Russia yeah. uh, I- ideology. Like everyone in Russia is pro-Russia, yeah. especially in Russia. Russia is a very proud country. You're not going to find this. Yeah. So the idea of overthrowing Putin and installing someone else is just such a fantasy for that for that same reason. Sorry for the, the tangent. No, 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 yeah. please. And I, actually, I think that's an important point because it also... I think it's the same sort of phenomenon when people talk about like what we have to do, you know, as as it pertains to current events this week, we need to get uh, Trump to be indicted and to go to jail because if he does that, then he's not, you know, a, not a viable presidential candidate. And people with at least a couple brain cells to rub together go like, that's not going to to do anything because it's not Trump. Trump didn't, you know. <sighs> I'm not a Trump supporter. <laughs> do you want to do you want to do one too? I don't. I just yeah. No, I I I, I don't love Russia. It's <laughs> but it he goes he he's in he's like an indicator species. He's indicative of an mm. ideology. You can hate it or you can love it, but it's not going to go away by stifling that's this a, one guy, by canceling one guy's Twitter account. The same thing with Putin. You can get rid of Putin, but Putin represents something, right? It's not like removing the figurehead. Everything. Well, we, I guess we don't have to. We'll, we'll throw in the towel at this point. There's a million Putins out there. There's a million Trumps out there. It doesn't matter. Like that, you can replace that guy with anyone. It's re- representative of an ideology. I think that's what you were kind of referring to right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, as I got into looking into, you remember our episode on the World Bank and and the IMF and and stuff like that. And that's what these. I was thinking of that as I was going through these um, South American countries because that's where most of these terrible loans are going out. And then, um, then it makes you think of like, 
well, this is becoming worldwide. I mean, that's where we first started doing this stuff, like going back to the early 1900s, actually. And now China is like a major player in the game. And so, but now Africa is like what to really look at. So uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, mm. it's unfortunate you're hap- you happen to be sitting on 70% of the world's cobalt, which is ours or China's. So I don't know which... <laughs> which path they're going to choose, but one of us is getting that goal. Well, didn't you brought up in a previous episode how China was doing the same things that the IMF and the World Bank were doing, right. except they were they're financing the loans right. in a way that these that they actually, actually can be paid back. Yeah, they countries. Act, yeah, yeah, they actually can be paid back, but it gets the sign the Chinese social credit system into place. It's like we put in the door. Yeah, like we want we want the we want based on the history, and if you. Um, you look at John Perkins' uh, Confessions of a CIA Hitman, which we hit a couple episodes ago. I was like, we go in there and just rape the entire state, or the country, rather. Take all their natural resources, ruin it for generations, leave, move on to the next one. We're like basically the the locust of the globe. (laughs) You know what I mean? China's playing the long game. Like, no, we are going to be the, we will be the world superpower. If it takes 100 years, like, we will get there. It's our ideology that we want to spread across the globe. It's just a different kind of locust. Just with a better business plan. Yeah. <laughs> I think a little, with a slightly more longevity. Um, and sorry, Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, you know, these electric cars won't power themselves. So... We need uh, that cobalt that you guys are sitting on uh, to store the energy once it's converted from burning coal to power into clean electric cars. No, dude, we're going to power the world (laughs) with the sunlight, the wind, and unicorn farts, okay? We have this figured out. We do not need fossil fuels anymore. When I made the... the sooner we ban it from everyone's <laughs> lives, the happier everyone's going to be. When I made the comment about um, the CIA and the 90s crack epidemic, mm-hmm. is I know that's something if you don't do five minutes of a dildo search, you go like, that's what's another wild conspiracy theory. And then when you look into the 1986 federal legislation... Because at that time, the Democrats were super upset that the Reagan administration wasn't doing enough about the war on drugs. And what they did is, I think it's loosely referred to as the crack pipe law. What they did is they enacted legislation that made just draconian um, punishments for people possessing or or distributing crack cocaine. Mm Mm-hmm entirely disproportionate to anyone that had regular cocaine because at that time crack cocaine was seen as a black man's drug and cocaine was a a rich white guy's drug right and you can look at the way that the law was structured i mean still to this day i mean we we, it ended up sending tens of thousands of nonviolent drug offenders for just simple drug possession like in just an inordinate difference in the regular cocaine laws this is in 1986. Do you remember who the middle-of-the-road politician was that spearheaded this entire movement? He was the one that pushed this legisla- legislation through because he goes, Reagan administration is not doing enough right now. Uh, no. 
Uh, a little known politician named Joe Biden from Delaware. <laughs> you got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Same guy. <laughs> Same guy. Yeah. Always looking out for the little guy. Old Joe well Biden. Well said, sir. <laughs> and so it was kind of funny to, I did a side street and looked into that stuff and I was like, because back then it was the war on drugs. Nancy Reagan's war on drugs. Just yeah, say no. Say no. Yeah. And it was the war on drugs. And the war on drugs turned into the, the war on terror. And then the war on terror turned into the war on domestic terror. Mm-hmm. And the war on domestic terror turned into the war on you know, disinformation. It's the same fucking wars. The same people doing the same wars. It's, it's, we talk about this all the time. Is you are applying this war template to an ab- abstract ideology that's only defined by the people that are enacting the war or the policies. So the same people that say, like, we are going to pass legislation that just is going to put, you know, tens of thousands of people into federal prison for, you know, decades, sometimes the rest of their lives. And, and that's the same people that are going like, now we got to look at uh, disinformation, misinf- COVID misinformation, domestic terror, you know, mega extreme Republicans. These are the same people doing this thing. And it's when people attribute these notions either to the right or the left, which is just a, a complete fallacy. It's it, it doesn't. It's the same people. It's mm-hmm. like they're the same. There's no difference. There's no delineation between these two ide- ideologies. Okay, back to the 15 minute city. Sorry, this is the worst sales pitch ever. I just realized I'm supposed to be acting like a status right now, and I'm doing a uh, a, a terrible job. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm, at this point, I'm slamming the door in your face. Like, I'm gonna go back to watching hockey. Okay, so Carlos Marino describes this concept as being diametrically opposed to the current urban model, right? And he's saying that the current urban model, where residents are plagued or burdened with the long commutes. And as someone, you know, we live in the San Francisco Bay Area or anyone that lives around a city. Anecdotally, we know this to be like more or less kind of loosely true because we have this giant blob of traffic that goes into the city to work or earn money, and then they come back here. Now, you can get into the nuts and bolts of, like, maybe some people don't want to live in the city because it's a fucking third-world shell, <laughs> you know what I mean? But they want to make that city money. It's, it is a fucking broken system, I mean... Would you not agree as in a fellow urban planner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a problem with it, honestly. Mm-hmm. If you want to commute, what part's broken? If you want to commute an hour both ways to go. Well, okay, there's that. Job, then, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I mean, it sucks that you, yeah, to, to be successful in some industries, you have to be in the city, but in a shitty city. Used to be beautiful, but now it sucks. So this one interesting mark of the statist that I was a term I made up this morning while I was e- eating my breakfast is there are certain um, how do I even say it like cognitive patterns or ways of phrasing things that make me think like okay. Like, I, I can kind of figure out where this guy's going just by the way he's talking about it. And one kind of glaring example is that the way that they either gloss over or kind of water down the effects of the pandemic. They don't talk about it in entirely negative terms. Yeah. Which this article did. So right off the bat, I'm, I'm reading this as just like, middle of the road, I got no opinion, I'm reading this. And once they got into that, I go like, okay, 
Like, so this article did what? This they they started um, they touted the silver lining linings of the pandemic, and they're saying like, well, there was a lot of good things that came out of the pandemic. And when I saw ah. that, I'm like, oh boy, like we're, this is gonna get good. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> Dingo, I'm okay. Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bookmark this one, exactly. and uh, <laughs> we might have some podcast material here eventually. And they they <laughs> talked they talked about that. You know, where people's ability to travel or move freely was restricted by state enforced lockdown and measures, and thus many people started, many people stayed within their own neighborhoods and tended to shop more locally and form tighter bonds with their neighbors and they created more local connections. We're already off to a, a dubious start when I read this. I was like, I have a lot of problems. Like, I just don't think this is correct, but. I think your whole your whole ideology or angle is is completely flawed. So think about some of these quotes. People tend to shop more locally. This goes back to what you were saying. Why would you be burdened by a long commute to do your shopping? And then there's a lockdown. You're like, well, I guess I'll just shop at the store like down the street now. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Am I right. missing something here? I'm asking you like honestly. No, I don't. Because you said that. Right when I brought this up, you're like, oh, doesn't every neighborhood like have this have this thing? I'm like, yeah, I kind of assumed it did. So, I mean, some neighbors neighborhoods are better than others. I don't course. understand the argument. Like, yeah. So you're you're proposing that uh, instead of having to drive 15 minutes, what? You you you're you're instead you're being burdened burdened by a long commute to do your shopping. So now that we have a lockdown, like, well, I'll just go to the store down the street at this point. <laughs> I, on, well, I was honestly okay. like kind of I was a little puzzled I thought I was like I kept reading it I'm like am I missing something does that mean that like here? so I, I used to go to Oliver's around you know cross town but now because there's a lockdown I'm gonna go to the gas station at the corner I don't know huh I'm, I'm honestly trying to figure it out myself still trying to figure it out okay so that's a stupid okay argument you're right it is. Okay. It's a very stupid argument. Okay, another quote. And then door slam in your face. <laughs> um, quote, an awakening for people when the lockdown restricted them to their homes. Okay, he talks about, okay, who are, your pe- who are the people that stayed in their homes because of the lockdown? Do you know any of these people? I mean, I know of people. I've chosen to... <laughs> cut them out of my life but when the lockdowns were happening do you remember what we were going around like there's no law well, we gotta be careful here okay because there is there's a tendency for people on our team if we have a team mm-hmm. to say that the lockdowns were bullshit like locking people in their houses we were locked in our homes I was I was, wasn't allowed to go to work I was locked locked in my house I wasn't uh, able to interact with my my loved ones, my family members, and then at the same time we're saying like, do you know anyone that actually followed the lockdowns? Right. So yeah, it, when we assess the effects of the lockdowns, and we say, well, the reason everyone's getting sick this winter is because everyone was locked in their homes last winter. We didn't spread the germs, and now the germs are all like spreading around like wildfire. Mm-hmm. So we can't have it both ways. Yeah, I, I think about that a lot, and I don't actually know what the answer is because I don't know how many people actually stayed in their homes. I do like, know. I the do. rain keeps me, me in my during this awful drought that we're in. The rain <laughs> keeps me in my house more than a lockdown. 
ever did. So no, it's just why we can't know. roll roll back those drought restrictions. <laughs> exactly. I don't know anyone that was actually that actually stayed in their houses. Uh, I I do know people. I do know people that stayed in their house, would not associate with anyone, not really? talk to anyone, not Who? let anyone in their house. What's that? Who? I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Call them out. Come on. Um, Let's take this podcast to the next level. Because I remember us going like. I'm not. I'm not staying in my house. That's that's ridiculous. It was actually kind of nice. I mean, I remember because everything. There's no one out. I remember like days there was oh, the, nobody out. The traffic. Me and a couple friends riding around on bikes, and then we created our own bar. I rode my bike down the freeway. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we created we created our own bar at the top of this parking structure. Like, right. let's just go up here and drink. We called it the Senate. It was it was awesome. It was it was a, it was kind of beautiful actually. Yeah. I mean, it was. You know, of course, done at the cost of a complete downfall of society and skyrocketing rates of a deaths of despair. Yeah, but as long as when society collapses, that you're on the top in of a parking garage, then who cares? Yeah, exactly. I remember we even double checked with we had some friends in law enforcement. Like you guys, like no, we're not. We're not enforcing. Not only are we not enforcing that, we're not enforcing anything unless like someone's life is actually in danger. Like we we have orders to just not do anything. Now, of course, this has a lot to do with where you lived. And where we lived, I don't know, we we're in this kind of sweet spot where we got enough around us where there's tons to do, but we're not packed in like rats like a San Francisco. And you hear the stories about, a, you know, an ideological hellhole like San Francisco where they're enforcing it on each other. They're well, chasing people out of the park and all They were sides. trying in our town. Yeah. I remember oh, yeah, seeing they, a they lot were, of were posts about like, what's up with this super spreader event down the street? Remember on the street that you used right. to live in? Yeah. Anyone know what's up with the super spreader event happening down the street? Because some people were having a party at their house. No, not be- only because they're having a party. The questions were asked because of the party. But once they found out it was an, a, re- a religious event, like a baptism or something like that, that's when they called the cops. Really? Yeah. I didn't hear that. They're like, it's a, it's a, if they're having like a baptism. They're like, that's it. I'm calling the cops. I could, you know, I was reading it on, on my wife's Facebook. Oh, no shit. I was like, dude, you people are. So they were cool with it. Until they found out it was a no, they were just event. asking questions, not cool with it. But as soon as they found out it was, they weren't willing to go to the authorities. Yeah, until religious they oriented. Was... They're like, okay, we're we're shutting this down right now. Pagans. Yeah. Um, but then you extrapolate from that, like, thankfully we're not in San Francisco, but we are still in California, so we had to deal with a lot of ridiculous mm-hmm. bullshit. But then, um, you know, then you re- read about like Australia or New Zealand. Or China, where they're fucking welding you into your fucking house. You know, Australia, where they actually were dragging people to these quarantine camps. And it just made me take stock. I'm like... Makes you want to build a bunker in your basement (laughs) and (laughs) set up your own shooting range, doesn't it? (laughs) What kind of a maniac would do such a thing? (laughs) May 6th coming up, folks. It's uh, David the Iceman Letizia Day. (laughs) I to celebrate. (laughs) But I did take stock as I was going through this. I was like, you know, we got a lot of... You know, a lot of palpable and very profound problems in this country, but God dang, can it be a lot worse <laughs> in other places? This is where we should fade in. Uh, we okay. I would also kind of point out as I read through this article that they, when they talk about it's a little ridiculous to kind of point out the silver linings of the pandemic as evidence of anything, like, you know, shutting down the world, shutting down children's education, shutting down people's jobs. You know, as we were just talking about the 
the rates of domestic abuse and addiction and you know, the deaths of despair, the suicide were through the roof. And it's like, it's not, and they're saying like, you know, the pandemic was kind of good in some ways because, you know, people shop more locally and they got to know their neighbors better. And you're like, it, your whole ideology is based on a premise that's completely unsustainable. Mm-hmm. So you're saying like, you know what, when we lock down the world and people, you know, we give them no purpose and they lose their jobs and we just send them, we create money out of thin air from the Federal Reserve and send them stimulus checks. And and your your supposition is like, well, they got it, to know their neighbors. Yeah, and look at and look at the friends you made around the uh, along the way. Like that's like, what <laughs> I. The more I read this, I was like, is this person like a little dialed back, or did they write this like when they were fucking drunk or something like that? No, they just they will take anything they can get because there are so few silver linings that are going to just latch on to the fact that. Well, there's one. You made friends. This is, I'm sorry. This is the worst sales pitch (laughs) ever. Okay. I'm going to think like a statist again. Ready? I don't think you're capable. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, Assad gas his own people. Uh, Saddam had WMDs. Um, Okay. Got it. All right. (laughs) I'm a stay. Or I'm a state, maybe. I guess it would be. (laughs) So here's the t-shirt. <laughs> so the, the fundamental idea behind the 50 minute city is yeah. to create a polycentric you know, model where people no longer have to travel very far, obviously. And so on the service, that sounds good, right? And I mean, I'm not a big fan of commuting, as you're just saying, like you're not either. So his model is ruled as like genius. Like this is groundbreaking stuff. So much so that um, Anne Hidalgo, who was the mayor of Paris, made it the focus of her campaign or her re-election campaign in 2020. She's saying like, this is exclusively what I'm running on. And I'm going to turn Paris into a 50 minute city. And from there, other cities went on, uh, Bogota, Colombia, uh, Oxford, England, uh, Cleveland, Justin Tibbs, the mayor just came out and announced, he goes, I want to make Cleveland the first 15 minute city in, in the U S because when you look at it on the surface like this, it looks like a beautiful model, right? Because what do we talk about? I mean, yeah, the principles of it probably aren't bad. This is it. You're right. And the more you look at it, the more interesting it got. But the more interesting it got, I'm like, what am I missing here? Like, I just, I do not trust these motherfuckers. There's just like something, because from the, the yeah. sources that it's coming from, exactly. I'm like, I just, just something is, my hair and my neck is standing up for, for cities all. Cities all over, mayors all over the world are interested in this one idea about the 15-minute city. It can't be good. Yeah. So Moreno, he won the, I think it's called the Obel Award, which is uh, an award in something to do with city planning or planning society or transhumanism or some shit. He won it in 2021 for this idea. And then They went to work, Hidalgo, and Hidalgo adopted this model. So here's where start, things started to become like fairly incongruent. And so Hidalgo was ran th- for the re-election of Paris, and they, ed- they added, they wanted to end traffic. And the way that she did this is she ended traffic by adding more bike lanes. And I'm like, wait a minute. As someone that lived in San Francisco, you reduced traffic by adding bike lanes. By taking away car lanes. <laughs> by taking away car lanes, which we have talked about before. Like, well, they do that intentionally in San Francisco. Like, we're going to make it so fucking miserable to get downtown 
Yeah. You're just like it's your car is no longer an option. It's I mean, done intentionally. I think the, uh, taking a page out of your brother's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Just get rid of the roads altogether. Yeah. Zero traffic. <laughs> Problem solved. Yes. Yes. Right. Like he says that if, as long as you're the slowest person on the freeway, there is no traffic. Right. You can you can game the system all you want to make traffic not a thing. Right. If there are no cars on the street. There is no traffic. Yep. You just pave, turn every road into a sidewalk. Yeah. Or a promenade. Yeah. So there, there was, as they spilled this out, the way that the plan was you know, being logically played out in Paris at this point is, and tons of other cities all around the world that were aggressively adopting this. I was like, it's just, there's so much here that's just not making sense. Okay. I'm fucking done thinking like a status. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> let's You're get, let's not very on. good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I tried. I tried. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. COVID was a man-made fucking pandemic that was released through the World Military Games. <laughs> okay, there you go. Woo! That's a dry run for <laughs> Back to normal. Next. Okay. Back to level. <laughs> I didn't need a little palate cleanser there. <laughs> Hair of the dog. So what rapidly, what more and more became interesting as I look at these 15-minute cities, I always look for, what are these consistencies, these words that keep coming up? Now, this is where it got interesting because when we talk about the two ends of the spectrum to bend back up, is that what do people like us, like more liberty-minded people, or just plain anti-authoritarian people, like what do you think, as you being one of those people, like what do you think when you hear the word decentralization? Uh, like we, we see that decentralization yeah um a fan yeah yes that's absolutely. like we see that as a good thing we want a decentralized federal government we want a decentralized currency we want everything more. i see that as a uh, that's the direction that we want government so much as it has to exist yeah to go so this is interesting because the 15 minute city is based on the idea of decentralization mm-hmm. on the surface Right, <laughs> at least. So this is a quote from the article. Hidalgo's plan for turning Paris into a 15-minute city include massive decentralization by developing new services for each of the districts. Uh, the word district is something that we need to look into. Because what they do is their idea is to take a city, like Paris, for example, and divide it up into these different districts. And obviously, with a district, you need a border or a delineation, you know, that yep. separates you from the other the other districts. Mm-hmm. And then within that district is everything, every service that the person within that district presumably would need, the hospital, the education, you know, the place of employment, your services, your entertainment, everything. Sounds all right, kind of. It's getting a little creepy. Yeah. yeah, they call it a district. It's a little military-esque. Okay. I mean, for someone of my way of thinking, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see where they're going with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's do a little more uh, research. Yeah, I mean, you can't control uh, an area without defining the area. Right. And the further you break down that those areas into different uh, parcels, then... Yeah. So as that hair on my neck is standing up, I'm like, it's like on... It's like getting to the tip of my tongue at this point. I'm like, I, I think I know where they're going with this, but they're just not outright saying it. Fortunately, they outright said it. I look more into this Carlos Moreno guy and his groundbreaking 15-minute city idea, and I see this. Quote, Moreno's model was not only endorsed by the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change 
as a new concept for urban, urban living, especially in the post-pandemic period, to help achieve climate targets, but also welcomed by many mayors from across the world with many cities currently in the process of adopting the idea. Now they have my attention. Climate change, climate targets, whatever the fuck that is. Mm. It's like I just knew. I was like, uh, I, I, I think... I, I, how are they? How are they going to sell? What's what's the polish on the car? Like, what, what, how are they going to sell this? I was like, it's going to be a climate thing. Obviously, that's what this entire thing is is basically based on. Obviously, which I'm sure is no shock to you. So now we get into. So maybe we should give a quick rundown when we talk about climate change, because we don't. It's not like we are. Um, just anti-climate, you know what I mean? Like, we're just, yeah, we're just knee-jerk rednecks, like it doesn't exist. It's like, no, my, my problem with it is, it's something I actually didn't really have a lot of thoughts on. My problem is it, it all the solutions are exactly the same, whether it's the climate change or the COVID or the war on domestic extremism or whatever. It's always an increase in top-down centralized authoritarian control, right? So when we look at these things, such as climate change, like, I'm just waiting for them to get to that. And yeah. this is exactly what it is. So now we get into the, this is a new, another new term that, we need, that we've talked about, but it starts coming out, pre-bunking. So this article, you know, uh. when they're laying it out, it's like this, this, this. Like, okay, it's, we're making less sense. We're making less sense. Like more traffic lanes to make traffic flow better. Like what? Like, excuse, you know, what's that? All right, climate target, like climate target, like hey, can you define that, please? What, 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 who decides what the target is? Like who's deciding what the climate target is? And I'm like, that's just getting, I just fucking knew it was going to get here. It's getting like more and more pre predictable. And then this is like the, the new thing is the whole pre-bunking notion. I was like, they always do at the end, they'll say like, well, here's what the conspiracy theorists are saying. And it's like the, they're, they're, they're preemptively saying like, Mm -hmm. answering the questions that people like us would ask. Like, can you define um, climate target? <laughs> like, who decides what that target is? And did we vote on that? Or how does this go? These articles are hilariously consistent because they all are do. They always exact have, they all points. have like a pre-bunking pre yeah. uh, yeah. section in there now. Yeah, here's your list of yeah. pre-bunking talking points. So I started picking in like random cities of where where what cities around the world that are adopting this 15 minute city kind of program and i ended up the first one i picked was oxford and the reason why i picked oxford is number one the uk is going like heavy on the 15 minute city idea um oxford london birmingham ipswich whatever the fuck that is canterbury <laughs> i'll love it this time of the year by the way and the article goes, yeah, we, we're going to pre-bunk the conspiracy theories. Like, conspiracy theorists are saying, like, look, they're, what they're essentially trying to create is our open-air prisons where you be, you will be confined to your own district, right? And the article went out to say, like, look, just to uh, remind you. Wait. Go ahead. Hold on. Because up to this point, yeah, the 15-minute city is just sounding like, well, we want to make cities. That's because I'm a good salesman. Accessible <laughs> to... Uh, people that live there that if you, instead of going across town, which is 16 minutes away, mm -hmm. you can go to the liquor store that's five minutes away, and we're just going to set up cities so that everything is walkable, because walkability 
um, is is a big deal in urban planning. Like you mm-hmm. want cities to be walk right because all of the old cities, Philadelphia, New York City, yep. they were all designed before there were cars. Everything's very walkable. People, you know, and that and that's held up as the holy grail of of urban planning. Right. You know, ideally you would have these cities set up so that people didn't have to drive; they could just walk everywhere. And fifteen minutes in in a car can take you kind of far in a city, right? But the idea that you're designing the city so everyone that lives in the city can easily access the the the, the things, the services that they need, right, is the most important thing. Yeah, density, traffic, pollution, all that shit is kind of secondary. Right. All the bad parts about living in a city are secondary. Yeah. Crime to this idea that you can just walk everywhere that you need to. But what you just said is like, like record scratch. Like, <laughs> hold on, you're not allowed to go beyond these. That sounds well, like prison. <laughs> well, that's the conspiracy theory, as the article reminds you. Like there are no physical barriers between each district. So we didn't bring that up, though. You brought it up in writing. <laughs> yes, hold on a second. Yes, I did. Which Mr. Salesperson? Yes. So Salesman when, of the month. When, when, <clears throat> when the people say the quiet part out loud, it's just I love it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I absolutely love it. Like they're always accusing you of the things that they're actually right. doing. Like, it's like oh. I didn't. I didn't. I'm just listening. I'm just I, reading the article. So far, I was on board. Yeah. You know, What's this par- about not leaving? I'm eight paragraphs in. I'm like, uh, let's look into that. Hold on a second. <laughs> Did you just say we're not allowed to leave? So I picked Oxford because, as I said, the UK has gone like heavy on this, like big time, uh, as well as like tons of cities in Edmonton or Canada, rather Edmonton being the model and Cleveland in the US, all over the world. And they also, I picked Oxford because they came right right out and said like, by 2040, we will be a 15 minute city. Like we want to be the model for the world, you know, even though we already have, but for England, for the UK. Like, we want to be the shining beacon of the 15-minute city. Have they started building the wall yet around it? There's or no wall. I got, I got something better. Yeah. So, to quote from the article, these plans have already hit a roadblock with conspiracy theorists claiming that the council, which would be the Oxford City Council, intended to lock residents into one of the six zones monitoring their, mover, their movements. So, they divided... Oxford into the six districts, right? And the article saying like, well, conspiracy theorists are saying like, oh, what they're doing is like, you're not going to be able to like leave that district. And the council preemptively came out and said like, no, that's 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 a conspiracy theory. And we're gonna put doors in the wall. <laughs> I mean, obviously you and can leave. I looked this up a lot. And it's not just this article, but it's in the New York Times, the Washington Examiner. You know, there's uh, audio content on NPR. I mean, they, and dude, what's interesting, as we're saying, like, when the article brings this up, like, listen, it's not this. Like, I didn't even think of that. Mm. But, but now I am. <laughs> is if you type in 15-minute city into Dildo, is half the articles will be about debunking this conspiracy theory. Of like, course. here's what conspiracy theorists are saying, you know. Of course. And they all use the exact same vernacular mm-hmm. and the exact same language and the exact same talking points. It's it's absolutely a fucking narrative that was given to people to fucking, like, here's what you guys got to say about the 15-minute city. Now, 
And when they say conspiracy theory, dude, I, I prefer the term, you know, spoiler alertist. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alertist. <laughs> well, whatever. Tomato, tomato. Brilliant. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. So I start looking into Oxford specifically since they are aggressively adopting this campaign. And then I look at the council announced their plans to become a 15-minute city, one of the first things they did, this is in 2022, is I, I just, sorry to interrupt you, I just Googled it, yeah. dildoed it just to just to see, and yet Wired Magazine, conspiracy theorists are yes. coming for the 15-minute city. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Nice. Spoiler alertist. And um, the first thing that Oxford did to convert, because they want to be done, they want to be a 15-minute city by 2040, is they installed what's called a traffic filter system. This is using their language, not mine. The council, again, vehemently denied that the reports that people would be confined to their districts. So I started looking into this traffic filter system, which is, again, using their language. This was a series of data collection and surveillance cameras that recorded license plate information for the purpose of finding citizens that drove to other areas of the city without an exemption permit or permission to be leaving their district for that specific day. But there's no physical barrier. And as we always talk about on this, po this podcast, is that everything is a reduction to violence. Everything is done at the point of a gun under a state, right? right. So you cannot pay the fine. Well, and when people Eventually, like at us, the point of the gun, you're going to be locked into a cage. People like us react to the idea of them collecting data in the first place mm -hmm. and the pushback would be well, what do you, they're just collecting data they, they want to know who's coming and going we don't do anything not, wrong like what do you what do you got to worry about yeah everything which this is the all point the data of all this all of the up. data because the data is going to dildo or going to facebook or going to whatever data factory is is mining it it is therefore a danger to you because it is 100% always going to be used against you. Yep. I wish it wasn't because I love the idea of data being able to be used to help us. Yeah. But all of these companies are, they don't give a flying fuck about you and your family. They're going to use this data against you. Okay, dude, excellent point. And please remember that when we end this thing, because that's the point of all this that I'm bringing up because this 50 minute city, idea and the you know what i think they're trying to achieve with it is basically a metaphor for everything that we're experiencing in our society very much so relating to what you just said about data collection people are like what's what's the big deal like you have to assume all nefarious intentions all the time for the people in power because there's nothing to keep them from right. having the doing the wrong thing with your data the data in itself is not bad yeah them collecting it is not bad What's bad is that they use it against you. And if you think they're not going to, well, you might be right. Yeah. But you might be wrong. Yeah. And until the data, there's some way to make the data yours and only yours, then the data, you have to assume that the data that's being collected is bad. It's evil. Because the potential for them, to, for Dildo to use it against you in an evil way is there. Right. Even if they don't do it for 10 years. And when those 10 years come up, the temptation for them to sell out to the federal government or to whatever mafia 
gangsters are in control of that data is there. They're going to do it. And I, I, I mean that when I say mafia gangsters, because that's basically who our state that's is. I was going to say, those, are, those two are not different. Right? So, yeah. So, re- retain that point. And just so you know, I, I just checked out uh, DuckDuckGo. Yeah. To see if there was any any of the headlines on the on the links were about conspiracy theories, and it's not. <laughs> Shocking. Um, we also saw so we had the traffic filter system, which is basically reading license plate data, and you know it's basically a government surveillance program to you know make sure that people you know keeping track of when people are leaving their zone or their district rather. And then we also saw the establishment of what they called the ultra-low emission zone, which was the uh, – there were – they made maximum allowed quotas for how often you could leave your zone based on their perceived carbon footprint. So you would have – this is in Oxford. They um, – this, this is – you, I read the legislation because I'm a fucking maniac. <laughs> Most people, that, I don't think the author, author for this article read this information. Go ahead. <clears throat> does the 15 minute city is does this apply to a geographic city or does this does this apply to an individual? Do you know what I mean? No, I don't. I'm not following you. So. If I live in the south side of our city, yeah, and you live in the north side, right, of our city, we're roughly fifteen minutes apart. Okay, does your fifteen-minute city actually equate to a geographical boundary that's set up that's yes. fifteen minutes away? Yeah, and mine is fifteen minutes away from me. So we're not talking about an actual city; we're talking about individuals and where they're permitted to travel within this city. We're talking about a... It's not a geographical boundary. Like a psychopathic version of federalism. <laughs> it's like where the city is, these districts, and the districts have defined boundaries. They do. Yes. So there's a geographical boundary for the district. Right. It's Ab- not based on the person. No, 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 no. It's, based, you, it's based you, on the city. So in this geographical blob that's drawn on the map, if you and if I you live in the if, north part of that, and yeah, I live in the correct. south part of that, we have the same if geographical you, if boundary. You, if you live two blocks away from me, and that happened to be where the defined border of the 15-minute city or my district was, I would be – the surveillance camera would catch my truck driving to your house okay. every day. And then, of course, if I did that more than four times a month or whatever – They would assume you were gay. <laughs> <laughs> they probably already do. I mean, they look at my phone. But <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Is that it's not uh, healthy for two men to actually spend as much time together as we do? <laughs> We're podcasting for Christ's sake. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. Sure you are. uh-huh. <laughs> podcasting. Is yeah, that what that border once that border is established and the surveillance cameras, which are I mean, I know this sounds like fucking crazy shit, but look it up. This is in this happened in Oxford. Thankfully, the people of Oxford weren't having it. They fucking had, they went to they protested in the protested in the street. They took to the streets. To, wow! But still, this movement is is fucking coming. It's funny, I didn't hear about that on the news. Yeah, yeah, very. I just it, it, all I heard was three weeks of whether uh, they were going to release the mugshot of Trump. Yeah, <laughs> if, if well, they, they probably just haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> so, who else is pushing for? The 15-minute city. Just take a wild guess. Uh, how many guesses do I get? <laughs> I'm going to give you one. How about that? <laughs> uh, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> yes. 
yes, the illegitimate son of Fidel Castro, who's also transitioning, by the way, and then who's also part of the World Economic Forum, and the World Economic Forum is going big on the 15-minute city. You don't say. Yeah, yeah, oddly enough. It's just weird how um, it's got to be a coincidence, right? These same names just keep popping up over and over. Yeah. Because it's not like... I would be I would be a little more skeptical if the agenda of the World Economic Forum almost like directly mirrored the ideology by Carlos Moreno in the 50 minute city because the World Economic Forum wants to get rid of private property, get people out of their cars, move like remove the freedom to assemble and all personal autonomy and restrict people, you know, you'll own nothing and like it. You'll get nothing and like it. And basically turn you into a, what? Just a, a nothing, an NPC. I have no uh, uh, communal kitchens. What's the word? It's like a um, useless uh, eater? You got to eat still. Yeah. So yeah, like a useless, useless eater. eater. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a useless eater, I guess, I guess you could say. So I know you can, but for the proverbial listener... Let's just say you're all in on... We have actual listeners, too. Okay. This is for you guys, then. Let's say you're all in on climate change or climate targets. <laughs> if you can define that for me, I'd appreciate an email. Point being... Kelly at LibertyTreeLifestyle.com. Yes, yes. What is... So here's the question. What is your level of confidence or trust that would allow the people in authority to build the exact infrastructure needed if they would want to complete... Totalitarian, totalitarian control of a population. So what by by that what I mean is, sure. So think of the the COVID pandemic. Is we talked about the 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 possibility of the intentional release of the virus to do a dry run that exactly mirrored what event two hundred one was going on in New York, in October eighteenth, uh, you know by Bill Gates. He's saying like. I'm saying, like, I can't tell you if the virus was released intentionally. But if I was going to do it, I don't think I would have changed a thing. Like, this is exactly what I would have done. What happened right. is exactly what, what, what I would have done. Exactly. This is the same kind of model. It's like, listen, <clears throat> we're not going to, sure, we're going to propose and legislate and mandate, eventually, a model that would be exactly what we would do if we want to entirely subjugate and control and surveil a, a population and get them out of their cars and you know, not make them be able to move from district to district, you know what I mean, have defined borders and have surveillance and have all collect all your data. But we're not going to actually do it. This is when you got to worry. And this is why I bring this up. And when you bring this up as far as collecting data, like, sure, they're collecting all your data. But, dude, if you're not doing anything wrong, like, I was like, yeah, but if you wanted to completely spy on every citizen, like, this is what you would do, exactly. That's a wet dream of a totalitarian. Exactly. So what we were talking about, like, conceptually is, like, do not let the people in power put the systems in place that will eventually completely subjugate you. So this is the same thing, for example when we talk about the government trying to disarm it, its citizens, this is the exact same thing. All the stuff, it's the, it's the exact same concept, right? 
and people say like, look, we're gonna we're gonna take your guns. We're trying to make things safer. Like, no, 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 no. We're not we're not having it because if a government wants to disarm a population, if we look at history, it's always because they're just about to do something that would cause people to want to shoot them. <laughs> like that's why you fucking disarm a population. <laughs> yeah. Well, think about that. Like, we're gonna take your guns away. For your safety. Yeah. Who's going to sign that? <laughs> really? And people buy into that. Because I'm not safe? No. I, no, 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 they don't. Nobody that owns guns buys into that. Yeah. We forgot. Did we Did we bring that up yesterday with Gabe? No. That I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember anything from yesterday. <laughs> so it's like, you own guns, but we're going to take them as the state. We need to take them away from you. For your safety. Because as we know, guns are the problem. Guns are what lead to people right. shooting up schools. Guns are what uh, end up in, in mass shootings and, and all the violence that we see. It's not, it's not you. Don't worry. It's not you. Yeah. It's your guns. Right. So we're going to take those guns away from you for your safety. Who in their right mind would sign up for that? Would a believe lot, that? A, would, lot a lot of people. A lot of people. Gun owners? Not gun owners. <laughs> no. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And as we're seeing, a lot of lefties that we know want to own guns. Yeah. It's, it's, it is the, it's the bridge between left and right. Gun ownership in America has increased. Yeah. I am all for everyone on the left getting armed, getting trained. I think everyone should be. I do too. Absolutely. Learning how to fight, even though it makes it, if we end up in a civil war, we have to fight the left versus the right, if that's the actual I'd, thing. I'd prefer then, that juggalos didn't own guns, but other than that. Pretty I mean, staunch Second I, Amendment. Yeah, exactly. But I would never pass a law that prevented yeah, juggalos exactly. from owning guns. Just personal preference. Yeah. No. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe fish fans. I I don't. Uh, <laughs> what do they call uh, fish heads? Think, fish fans. Fish heads. <laughs> I don't quote uh, staunch anti anti modern art <laughs> people very often, but. Uh, from the old Adolf Hitler, uh, to conquer a nation, first dip, disarm its citizens. And so I did wait, a little... Wait, wait. Hitler's an anti-modern art? He hates modern art. He hated modern art. Really? Yeah. He was a classical artist. He hated uh, the modern movement? Yeah, he hated modern art. No shit. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to look into that. <laughs> okay, please do. As long as it doesn't put me on a watch list. <laughs> Uh, I just did, I mean, just took five minutes of research is when people say like, well, when, if the government, when the government it disarms its citizens, it's because, like I was saying, they're just about to do something that their citizens would have shot them for. I'm like, do you have an example? I do. Actually, 1911, Turkey uh, disarmed their citizens. 1.5 million Armenians were slaughtered. 1929, Russia, same thing. 20 million Russians murdered. 1935, China, 20 million Chinese killed. 1938, or the dude Hitler there, Germany, citizens disarmed, 6 million Jews murdered. 1956, Cambodia, 1 million intellectuals killed. Yes, the old Khmer Rouge right there. Hell of a work ethic on those guys, by the way, to destroy a country. 1964, Guatemala, 100,000 Mayans. 1970, Uganda, 300,000 Christians put to death. I mean, this list goes on and on and on. So here's the point. This is what I'm getting at. And I'm going to leave us with, I'm going to pivot to a fairly darkly abstract concept in case you're not, you're not following the through line of what we're trying to do. And this goes back to 
Um, everything we're saying about the 15-minute city, uh, restricting people's ability to travel, disarming the citizens, uh, what you're saying about data collection. Are you familiar with the work of John Wayne Gacy? <laughs> The, the, art, the artist known as, formerly as known as John Wayne Oh, God, dude. <laughs> All right. You know, on the new coffee bag for the dark roast, <laughs> we're going John Wayne Casey. <laughs> Point being, that we know of, he raped, murdered, you know, tortured, uh, that we know of 33 million young boys. I mean, he was, by all accounts, one of the worst monsters that had ever lived. And at that time, he was one of the most prolific uh, serial killers known known to America. He was also known as Pogo the Clown and Patches the Clown. So this would cover the propaganda angle of to draw a metaphor from John Wayne Gacy to government. So he was a happy clown that did tricks, magic tricks, and he performed it when, you know, children's birthday parties. Can I interrupt you? Yes. We'll come right back to this. Okay. I, I just got to put this out. Okay. Did I tell you that I kept my kid out of school the other day? Yes. Just the thought of this kind of stuff that you're talking about right now right. is enough to terrify me to the point where I will act irrationally. Yep. And I actually went to the to the length of keeping my kid out of school because I was scared of a guy like John Wayne Gacy mm-hmm. of just coming and, uh, you know, imposing his dark will yeah. on my son yeah, and me not being able to be there to, to stop it. Yeah. I am so sensitive to this, and I think any any parent right. feels the same way. It's impossible to not think about. Yeah, and I actually gave in to the, 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 the you know, extremely unlikely possibility that something like that could happen. Yeah. And I actually pulled my kid out of school because I, just the morning I woke up that morning and I was just too freaked out. There is a parallel to surfing because you surf. What are you thinking about when you're surfing? Sharks. 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 Man in the gray suit. What, what, is the, what statistically is the possibility of me getting bit by a shark? Well, I actually crunched the numbers one time. Significantly <laughs> higher here in Northern California. It's one in 300,000. <laughs> yes. But still, the thought is so ther- terrifying that you, it, it, you can't eject it from your mind. And then we're dealing with your children. It's multitudes higher. Yeah. Yeah. And you run the risk of hurting them by infecting them with your own paranoia. Mm-hmm. When statistically, there is no chance. Yeah. Virtually no chance of them being And you have to think back. about like... And it, you're you're making them paranoid beyond uh, a reasonable you know level of fear, right? And and then you start to, have to think about that. You know, not trying to load onto you here, but what's the difference between me doing this and then I don't know how. However, you choose to communicate that to your children. Now I'm planting that seed in his head. Like this That's is something I mean. you have to think about, right? I was you're, like, you're but, giving them an irras- irrational fear, right? Yeah, and then you're looking at people like, yeah, he he kept. You know, those parents kept their kid locked in his room for two years because they were so afraid of COVID. And you're like, that's like borderline child abuse. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's something to think about. Totally. Totally. um, Go back to John Wayne Gacy because there's a point to this. Uh, Yeah. You're going back there? Yes. You don't need me to tell you where you were going? (laughs) Because I can't remember. (laughs) Is 
John Wayne Gacy, because we're talking about the way that we willingly led in the door basically the infrastructure to potentially be completely subjugated and controlled by fucking authoritarian psychopaths. They want to have their the agenda is very clear. I don't think there's any argument against that. It's they're it's been consistent with everything they do, whether it's the COVID, whether it's the climate, it's this fifteen minute city program. And it made me think of John Wayne Gacy. Because do you know what John Wayne Gacy, do you know what trick that he used to eventually get his victims to eventually rape and strangle and bury them in his crawl space? Do you know what he did? Do you know how he did it? I know it's because I'm a fucking weirdo and I have just a whole bookshelf full of serial killer books. I don't know, but I, I feel the title of this podcast coming on. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> okay. He did it by taking out a pair of handcuffs and showing it to his potential victim. And he had this little trick. He's like, look, I can put in the handcuffs. I can get out of them. He goes, I bet you, I bet you can't put on these. Listen, I bet you can't put on these handcuffs and get out of them. And the person go like, okay, put them on. Can we skip over this? No. He says, yeah, I bet you I can get out of those. And they put on the handcuffs, and that person eventually ended up in their fucking crawl space. So point being, when we talk about giving up our privacy, disarming our citizenry, passing disinformation, hate speech laws, hate speech laws, vaccine passports, climate lockdowns, or I don't know, partitioning up our city or uh, cities into little districts where the government will decide whether you can go from district to district to district, you know, based on their perceived climate footprint that you are leaving, whether you can go see your parents across town. Is I want people to think about. John Wayne Gacy and his handcuffs. Hold to trust in you Put a decision that you made